This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Dan Mitchell is the executive co-producer of Jew West Arts Festival, which isn't happening until November next year. But uh, we're going to find out a little bit more about the festival partially because there's an info night coming up for artists who might be interested in getting involved. We're also joined by one of the festival's artistic associates, Alec Reed. Welcome to you both. Good morning. Hey, morning, morning, Richard. So, Dan, we'll start with you as a co-producer, uh, executive co-producer of the festival. Jew West is a very, very new festival on Melbourne's cultural calendar. What is it and why does it exist? Uh, yeah, well, it's, um, uh, it is a it's, uh, I suppose a new festival that's an expression of... Uh, uh, it continues a great tradition of festivals in the West, um, Big West being the previous sort of name for that festival, in a sense, um, that uh, uh, had that focus in the Western suburbs, I suppose west of the Maribyrnong, um, uh, with a real... Uh, centred on um, Maribyrnong City Council at the moment as a um, as its sort of current border, but with partners in the broader West... Um, and it's yeah, it's a real uh, a focus on the West, and uh, a, a basically it's continuing a tradition of of community culture, um, and a f- with a f- with a focus on artists who are based in the West, um, presenting their stories. And Alec, uh, for what's, tell us a little bit about your role at the festival. I think some people will be will go, okay, we kind of know what a producer or a co-producer does, particularly when they're the executive. They're kind of looking after the the ship as a whole. What's an artistic associate do? Because you're one of several artistic associates. Yeah. So um, there's seven of us, and uh, I guess we act as um, creative producers. We're helping sort of bring um, the depth of the program um, and deciding on the sort of artistic flow of the of the whole program. So we're very lucky, we're very diverse, and, and we get to um, have some sort of play at, at the feel of the festival, which is really exciting to be a part of. Yeah. And I guess one of the roles too that the the artistic associates play is connecting with and contacting and drawing in from the different communities out in the West as yeah, well. Completely, yeah. Um, so for myself, from the Pacifica community, drawing in our communities into the festival and, and, and our cultural experiences and, and knowledge and, and sort of like each artistic associate having a um, some drive within that, which is really exciting. Yeah. And Dan, I mean, I first got to know you when you were involved with Melbourne Fringe back in the day. So you've been, you've worked on a lot of kind of different festivals and with different events. What what will be different about uh, Jew West? How will it kind of differentiate itself from uh, all the other festivals that are on in Melbourne and even things like the the Art and Industry Festival, which is also running over in the West? Yeah, it's, um, well, it's, you know, the way we look at it is a lot of it is about the model that we're putting together for this uh, this festival with the associates in a sense of creating a festival that is um, uh, is, is, is its identity is created by the um, collaborative process of, of uh, working with the associates and um, uh, developing a, a sort of a festival of its time in the West. Uh, but ultimately, it's also it's identified by the, the sort of creative ideas that emerge from the West and they're very distinct. I mean, it's a really 
very different part of Melbourne. It's got that very strong industrial um, history uh, and also obviously it's really diverse sort of cultural history. Um, and it's got a very interesting sort of geographical sort of uh, sensibility as well with the Maribyrnong River being a very significant sort of um, uh, um, place both both in terms of um, its Indigenous and First Nations um, importance but also uh, the um, industrial sort of history and the stories that surround that. So in a sense it's it, it, the, the, we've sort of been talking with the associates about looking back to move forward and to create uh, you know, to always be... Uh, it, there's a really great sensibility. So with my role, for instance, coming in as a sort of a, a more of an... Um uh, I suppose an elder statesman, <laughs> it feels like, especially with the young dynamos that I'm working with, um, is to assist in, uh, them in their pathways and helping them uh, produce their work. So my role is very much an enabling role in that respect. So I think the vision, uh, we talk about it being a festival of its time uh, and we're excited about what that is, but exactly what that is will emerge over this next year. Yeah. Now, I know that... The part of the focus for Jew West will be kind of voice, sound and music, uh, which in itself covers an enormously broad range from contemporary sound art through to community choirs and so much more. I'm really intrigued by the notion of Jew West being a festival that kind of is for the future of the Western suburbs, as much acknowledging the past, but rather than trying to create a, or recreate um, a, a Western uh, kind of, well, a, a festival in the West as per 10 years ago or something like that, really focused on the future of the Western suburbs and how the communities there are growing and shifting and changing. Which I guess creates a, a an artistic and programming challenge. How do you predict what the the western suburbs and the communities in the western suburbs will want and need and be like in uh, within in the next kind of decade or two? Yeah, I, I, I think um, working within our communities, um, building solidarity between existing communities, and and sort of imparting the knowledges that we have with the new communities that shift there, and and sort of creating spaces that are, you know. Are, can coexist with each other is, will be a, a lot of the focus um, in our own artistic endeavours and then also within the festival, which is, yeah. Yeah, no, Alec, um, we, were, we were, had this great session with uh, the Artistic Associates the other day and um, we talked about the role of um, the, the festival providing a sort of a, a, a wayfaring opportunity through to the future. In, in a sense, you know, there are difficult times, there are uh, a lot of dynamics in um, uh, both at a social level and a political level, um, an economic level, an environmental level, um, and having create, creative sort of... Uh, uh, view to the future and to lead people through we talked to you know we use this sort of wayfinding idea of artists leading the way to a future you know in the west and um that's been one tool that we've sort of uh you know latched onto is really as a real positive yeah i guess the the devil's advocate question is do we need another arts festival <laughs> i mean the recent uh victorian creative industries festivals review found that there are uh, over 430 festivals in Victoria. That's clearly more than one a day. Um, 50% of those are in Melbourne. When Big West Festival was killed off in, a, in I have to say, a fairly strange and, and frustrating <laughs> manner by its current board who couldn't see a way forward as opposed to handing over uh, responsibility for the festival to a whole different creative team, but that's a, a separate argument. It's been and gone. Um, so when the festival died, was it 
gonna, did that space need to be filled by another festival? I'd like to think that there's, um, for lack of a better word, maybe an oversaturation in festivals within Melbourne City, the CBD, um, and I'd like to see um, artists encouraged out west to actually engage in arts because I think there is like a draw card within Melbourne and it's nice to bring arts to people out west and actually encourage them that they, you know, and create an accessible environment so that people can practice out that way. Um, That's the way that I personally see it and I love to see my community engaging with arts. It's nothing better. So that's why I see, where I see Due West Festival filling that space. Fantastic. And I noticed the festival's tagline is Due West, the immersive arts festival. What does that mean exactly? Yes, well, uh, I think, I mean, any, any, it's an interesting and sometimes over-abused word, uh, immersive these days, but um, uh, essentially I think all good art is immersive, so it's, uh, and not only a community-engaged sort of work is what we're encouraging uh, through this program. And I think this is when we talk about festivals, um, we're looking to sort of use this festival model uh, as a way of maybe inventing what, what a festival could be, you know, and you, you know, rather than just uh, a, a opportunity to present work mm. at a period of time during the year, but to develop over um, uh, relationships over time, uh, some that already exist, and continue to build those, so that the the hopefully the festival is just a, a celebration, a moment of celebration of work that continues throughout the year. Yeah. And I guess like a creating values within the festival system to sort of impart into other people's, you know, daily art practices, you know, being able to influence that through our community minds and then also our collaborative, you know, efforts. I've been chatting with executive co-producer Dan Mitchell and artistic associate Alec Reed about Jew West Arts Festival. I'm looking forward to it flourishing, growing and becoming an essential part of art and culture in the, the broader Melbourne region. So thank you both for coming in. Thank you. Thanks, Richard. If you are a fan of circus, well, you you could go, for example, to Melbourne International Arts Festival and see a a big international production. Or you could go to Side Salt, a festival of experimental circus at the Circus Oz Melbourne Spiegel Tent in Collingwood uh, and see new and interesting works from artists who are kind of not just presenting new circus but presenting new circus that's trying to push the envelope and experiment and, and play with what circus can do as an art form. I'm joined in the studio by Abby Madden uh, from the company Blindful who are presenting My Sight, Their Sight at, uh, at Side Salt and also Imogen Stone from Colossal Productions uh, to talk about Laser Kiwi. So welcome to you both. Thank you. Hi. So, um, Abby, let's start with you. Just kind of give us a, a quick uh, pricey of uh, My Sight, Their Sight. What's the show about? Uh, My Sight, Their Sight is about three performers, uh, myself, Ryan Darwin and Roman Hassanen, and we all have a physical discipline that we've been trained in. So I'm a dancer, I've danced my whole life, Ryan is a circus artist and Roman does parkour and tricking and movement and dance and we wanted to challenge ourselves and see how we could push these disciplines further by taking away sight. So Performing we do everything blindfolded. blindfolded. Yeah. 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 And also I just love the fact that it's three different disciplines coming together to make work as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah, it's been really exciting feeding off each other's skills. 
And Imogen, what's the kind of the elevator pitch for Laser Kiwi? Oh my goodness! Apart well, from the fact that it makes you think of a kiwi <laughs> shooting lasers from its eyes. That is that is with intent. Yeah. Yes. Um, that's such a. It's an incredibly hard question for us. I think we've been doing this show about done about seventy times, and we still don't have our pitch because the show doesn't really conform to any one thing. It's sketch based. Um, and snippets of the show could last 30 seconds, some could last 10 minutes, um, and they all explore a really different thing. So maybe it's a prop or it's a relationship between the performers. Um, and, yeah, we're, we're pushing Circus to be um, not just about like physical skills but about um, physical comedy. So really just taking the audience on a journey of joy. So we just hope that everyone leaves being super stoked. Now, one of the things that automatically arises for me from that is that all circus, in a way, is sketch-based. It's A circus show is a series of routines that have been stitched together in some way. So it's kind of not unlike sketch comedy in which kind of scene set up, punchline, scene set up, punchline. Absolutely. Kind of repeated, but it's done physically. Yep. So what... But so adding comedy into the mix. Why bring comedy into the circus arts? Isn't it all supposed to be stately and serious? And Oh, no, not at all. Not when myself and the Javi brothers are, are in the room. Yeah, it's not so serious. And I think what we were trying to do is take our circus skills and pick them apart so perhaps the audience wouldn't say, oh, I, you know, I just saw a circus show, but so many elements within it do use all of our physical skills. You just might not see that. Yeah. Are there any kind of parallels there, Abby, for what Blindful are doing with my site, their site, in terms of picking skills apart, showing the audience something different? Yeah, it's definitely something we actually wanted to focus on. Um, with my background in dance, it's less about scenes and it's more like a coherent show that is fully, yeah, you just watch the whole thing. Um, so I've really tried to put that onto our show with Circus and break up the this is this act, this is this act, this is this act. Um, although we still refer to each part as a scene, um, we've tried to make it less stoppy and starty and more like everything transitions through. So so less seen, more seamless. Yeah, definitely, hopefully. And why perform blindfolded? Um, for me it was... I was born with a vision impairment and I... I've had it my whole life, I don't know any different. Um, but I wanted to figure out a way of, like, challenging myself and challenging the other people in the show by working on the same level. So, like, my eyesight isn't, you know, completely non-existent. So I, by putting on the blindfolds, we're all at the same level and we all have the same challenge of trying to figure out where we are in the space, um, like up from down, where the audience is, where each other is. So yeah, it was a way of making a neutral point for us to all challenge ourselves. And for a question for both of you, what was the, I guess the, why did you apply? Why did you kind of uh, want to be part of uh, the Circus Oz Side Salt kind of festival? Ah, it's it's a new and exciting festival. You know, this is only its second year. And last year it was such a huge success and it really embraces what circus can be. Um, It's trying not to stick to the status quo. It's trying to push the mould. And I think as a performer, it's really exciting to think about the sort of audiences that we're going to be having, you know, coming with such an open mind. Um, Yeah, and I think just being alongside such a broad range of shows, it's just going to be a treat to be able to see everyone's work as well. Yeah, um, I watched the Side Salt program last year and was so inspired and didn't think that circus could 
do and achieve so much and so it was really exciting to be able to have the opportunity to put my little taste of and like flavour on circus with my dance and the parkour and like um, vision impairment and all that kind of stuff so it was yeah it's an opportunity to be a little bit different yeah well certainly i saw some of the the shows at uh side salt last year and uh the adelaide company time in space circus for example blew me away they were fantastic and i saw them again in adelaide a, a brand new show at the adelaide fringe this year and to see somebody pushing the aesthetic of circus and and pushing the structure and uh, to to pull away from the idea of like what i describe as the the tada moment in which kind of like you do your routine and kind of everybody applauds and then you move on, trying to kind of interrupt what is familiar about circus. Because at its most basic, kind of circus is essentially the same series of tricks, whether you're a New Zealand company or a Melbourne company or a Queensland company or, or from uh, kind of Montreal. Yeah. It's, it, there's a fairly standard set of, of circus skills that are used. The, the joy is watching those skills used in kind of new and different ways. Yeah, absolutely. So I think if you come along to the festival, you're going to see, perhaps if you took a screenshot of what we're doing on stage, perhaps you'd see something that you recognise. But I think the way that all these shows are going to present that is going to be new. So hopefully you're going to experience the work in a different way. Yeah, focus on um, less of what is done, but how it's done. I think. Yeah. yeah. Now, um, one of the things I want, I was keen to get you kind of both into the show uh, simultaneously is one, kind of like to have a shared conversation about circus. And I, I, I wanted to ask both of you, what's the appeal for you, not necessarily as performers and artists, but when you're watching circus, what do you get out of it that you don't get from other art forms? Oh, um, I've almost seen so much circus yeah. now, it's hard to describe. I think appreciation for time that goes into it really just appreciation of um the physicality of circus um and then when you say appreciation of time do you mean the 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 amount of training that people put into rehearsing and yes hours and hours and hours um and also just seeing you see people's personalities through their work so because we've seen so much you know we can we can peel away that the 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 big clap moment you know we can peel away that being impressed, but what we then see is the the performer themselves. You can see a bit of their soul. Um, yeah, that's what I watch circus for. Yeah, um, I think I have a really specific thing that I like watching circus for. I coming from dance, it's less about a trick and it's more about what you're saying with the movement or with the with the show. And so I like watching circus and watching people that incorporate and focus on the transitions between tricks as much as the tricks themselves. Like something that's so satisfying is when a trick comes out of nowhere, you don't see the setup and the preparation. You just, it's like the trick isn't important anymore. It's how they've done it and why they're doing it becomes important. So I love watching that and seeing how people do that in circus. It's one of the things that I think uh, Yaron Lifshitz from Circa would be, if he was listening to this conversation, yeah. would be nodding at the moment because I know he loves the, the, the kind of flow. For him, a show is unsuccessful if the audience interrupt with applause, exactly. for example. He wants that kind of fluid progression and, and is certainly bringing a, a kind of choreographic sensibility to, to circus as an art form. Yeah. How strong and how established is kind of circus uh, over in New Zealand, Imogen? Because here in Australia, obviously, kind of Circus Oz is over. 40 years old um uh nika is uh, i was going to say pumping out graduates every year that's not quite the right kind of, <laughs> kind of way to do it but and then 
companies like Sir Kids and Gravity and other myths in Adelaide, all of the companies up in Brisbane doing amazing stuff. So established over here. Yeah, what's it like in New Zealand? Oh, we are at the beginning of a very exciting journey. I would say we had uh, Deb Pope come over from London about... I'd say she's the mother of circus in New Zealand and that would have been only really beginning about 15, 20 years ago. And since then it's been largely community-based, so lots of, um, you know, bringing together groups of women. It sort of started out with a strong, like, women's circus um, and then we had a youth circus, so, you know, it was always on the periphery of that professional, um, more about community, and it's been just in the last... Six or seven years we've started having like a polytech run um, circus school, um, which is slowly slowly up in the level and we're starting to see what the style of circus in New Zealand is because I mean with the internet, of course we can see what everyone's doing in the world, but as far as like watching our peers we we don't have that much to follow, so we kind of just get to trailblaze a little bit and i I, I couldn't sum up in a sentence what New Zealand circus is yet. But maybe in ten years' time. Okay, because well, that wait. was about to be my next <laughs> yes. question. Is there a specific kind of style or aesthetic? Or I don't think so. Yeah, yet. we talked about this this morning. Actually, we had coffee, and yeah, it was like Australia. I didn't realize Australia had a sort of a scene or like a, you know, an aesthetic, I guess, um, which is a real generalization. But yeah, I kind of asked Imogen the same question. I was like, what about New Zealand? What do you think your thing is? And yeah, don't know. Not yet, but I look forward to being able to answer that question. I think I'll be very proud of the answer. What do you think the Australian aesthetic is? (laughs) I I think aesthetic is a broad word. I think um, purely skills-wise, you've got such a strong partner acrobatic, so people standing on people, um, is done beautifully here, and also tumbling, which to me is on the periphery of circus. You know, it seems like a a foundational skill that helps you move in the air. but no, like tumbling is an actual performance art form here. Um, yeah, we don't have that at all. One of the things that, having just seen uh, No Fit Stage Circus Lexicon last week, uh, and I've seen this now with a couple of international circus companies coming in, uh, Melbourne Festival this year, Melbourne Festival about uh, three or four years ago as well. One of the things that I noticed with Australian circus is um, gender parity and gender roles are very, very different in Australian circus compared to some of the international work I've seen. They're more evolved. Kind of uh, at Lexicon, the, the women are still the flyers and they're in kind of frilly white dresses which are torn off during during one routine. Because or, they're impractical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but whereas in Australian circus, kind of women have been the bases of a three high instead of the flyer at the top, for example. There's a, a real awareness of the strength uh, that women have and uh, and can display in circus. And uh, kind of, so yeah, so occasionally watching some of the international circus recently, uh, over the, well, recently, over the last couple of years, there's been a sense of, oh, you're a little bit sexist, kind of in, in, yeah. in the way you present kind of women's roles. I wonder if that's because, like you were saying, all of these big established companies in Australia. I mean, they're older than New Zealand, but they're still only, you know, 40 years old. You know, that's sort of, that's young enough to, you know, the times have been changing so much, I assume, over those last 40 years that we can actually, you know, have a chance to keep up. Whereas perhaps in Europe, you know, if we've got companies that are hundreds of year old. They've got, you yeah, know? 250 years of circus tradition. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, as opposed to, yeah, kind of Cassis, Gravity and other myths. Kind of uh, uh, all those kind of um, kind of newer, younger companies. Yeah. Um, there's also a lot of really interesting crossover though between dance and circus as art forms as well. The, the training base, the physicality of it as well. Yeah. Um, 
Abby, has it been easy to adapt kind of dance skills into a circus world, a circus framework? Definitely. I think I'm so grateful and happy that I've had dance training my whole life. I think it's just made that sort of transition and the, um, like, interest in circus that much easier because dance teaches you a really good body awareness and in circus that's what all your tricks are based from is like knowing where your body is in the air where you're engaging where you're disengaging and like pointing and flexing and all of that kind of stuff and knowing how to do that from a young age in various positions has meant that yeah learning circus tricks and apparatus has been a lot easier I think than if I'd just started circus without any background of movement it would have been quite challenging. (laughs) We've got three shows so we've got Blind Fools, uh, my site, their site. We've got Colossal Productions, Laser Kiwi. Uh, and we've also got Madhouse Circus and Point and Flex Circus's Boss Squad. Abby and Imogen, before I let you go, have you seen some of the other shows that are performing? Kind of, uh, Do you have favourites? Are you even allowed to have favourites? Not allowed to have favourites. No. no, yes, I've seen... I've seen Abby's show, absolutely. It's super I've stunning seen work. Laser Kiwi. <laughs> well, there we go. That was easy. And I've yeah. seen Jug Life as well. Yeah. Two awesome jugglers. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, I have one little thing just to put in. All three shows, um, ourselves, Laser Kiwi and Boss Squad, will all be audio described, which is very exciting. And I'm so wonderfully happy that Circus Oz is doing that and the Melbourne Spiegel Tent as well. So if anyone needs accessibility, it will be audio described. Uh, and big thanks to Abby Madden from Blindful and Imogen Stone from Colossal Productions for coming in to talk about their shows, My Sight, Their Sight and Laser Kiwi. It's been lovely to have you both in the studio. Thank, Thank you so you much. So much. And my next guest joins us on the line, Candace Edmonds uh, is joining us to chat about the Melbourne International Arts Festival production Flight from uh, a company called Vox Motus, who were uh, based, I believe, in Glasgow. Is that right, Candace? Yes, we are. We're based in Glasgow in uh, Bonnie, Scotland. Uh, I obviously am not Glaswegian. <laughs> I'm from the Gold Coast, but I've lived and worked in Glasgow for the last uh, 18 years. And yeah, that's where uh, that's where we work from. And are you up on the Gold Coast at the moment as well, visiting family? I am. Or? I'm up in the beautiful hinterland. Uh, I come from a place called Tambourine Mountain. I think most people who have been to the Gold Coast have probably been on a day trip uh, up here. It's a, a beautiful, a beautiful spot. So yes, I. I tore myself away from the International Festival in Melbourne for a few days to uh, to come and enjoy the, the rainforest for a bit. Now, you and uh, your fellow artistic director, Jamie Harrison, kind of create and write and direct all the, the Vox Motus productions. What's For people who don't know the work, what's kind of unique? What's the aesthetic or style of um, the company? Wow, OK. I think what makes our work particularly uh, unique is... It's very design-led. I would say that we make design-led theatre. And what I mean by that is the design of um, the staging and how transformational it is uh, is tells the story as much as the words or the dialogue. and that's something that's evolved for us over over many years. I mean, we make new work, original work. Um, we're always looking for a, a new story that's kind of begging to be to be told. And then we sort of work out, <laughs> I guess, magic on it. We've always uh, been really driven to make uh, theatre that's a real celebration of the three-dimensional space. Um, 
when I was younger and training as an actor and I would go and see lots and lots of theatre and uh, the shows that were sort of two people on stage talking to each other, uh, which is in itself can be absolutely brilliant, but sometimes I was watching theatre like that and feeling like, oh, this could exist in radio, it could exist on TV. What is it that makes it theatrical, um, overtly theatrical? And then uh, particularly studying and training in the UK and being exposed to a lot of uh, European work um, uh, and suddenly seeing work that was very physical, very visual, um, that used the visuals to tell the story as much as it used the words or the actors. That really pressed my buttons, it really pressed Jamie's buttons, and together we uh, started making our own work under the banner of Vox Motus that was a celebration of this, uh, yeah, overtly theatrical, three-dimensional, design-led aesthetic. Now, flight is very much then clearly encompassing that work, design-led, visual. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a piece of theatre that has got some Melbourne critics scratching their head and saying, is it theatre? That's uh, certainly one of the the leading questions in a review that Time Out published. Because what you're presenting is hundreds of static dioramas to tell um, what is, uh, by all accounts, I haven't seen it yet, unfortunately, uh, quite a moving story about uh, uh, two young refugee brothers uh, leaving Afghanistan to seek a new home in London. Yes, and it's a question we grappled with, although I guess we grappled with it in the latter stages because every time we approach a new story, we're asking ourselves, what is the best way to tell this story and because of that every show we make tends to be inherently different and we tend to draw on very different forms um it just seems like each story asks for something different of us sometimes it asks for puppets sometimes it asks um for more movement and maybe even dance rather than uh, rather than speech and this uh, particular piece when we were we were grappling uh, with how to tell it we really wanted 